Hi, my name's James Fowle, and this is the Huxley Morton Podcast. I hope you're enjoying Series 3 so far, and before we jump back in for another episode, I'd love it if you could like, subscribe, and hit that notification button, as it really helps us to increase our reach. We run the show to both help and inspire those working in clinical research, so if there's anyone else that you think would benefit from tuning in, please spread the word. For now, though, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton Podcast, the show where each week we dive into the personal and professional stories of some of the most inspirational leaders in the world of healthcare, pharmaceuticals, and, and biotechnology. This week, I'm joined by Liz Cormier-May, uh, CEO at Mamagen. Uh, Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, James. You are very much uh, welcome. So look, I've, I've given you a quick introduction name and, and the company there. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a, a little bit about yourself. You know, give us a quick introduction to, to you and, and what you guys are doing. Sure. So I am first and foremost a scientist. I started as a medicinal chemist and moved over to the commercial side of the industry for a number of reasons. I'm sure we'll get into some of them, but you know, that's what I do. Who I am is a little bit different. I am a mother of two wonderful kids. I have a son who will be eight in September, a daughter who turned five in March. I have a wonderful husband who is so supportive. It's the only way I can do everything I do. Mm. Um, and, and I'm really just an average person with some big dreams. Amazing. And look, tell us, um, I guess so that kind of covers you, but talk to us about um, Mamagen. So that's, yeah. that's the business that you are currently at. We'll, we'll dive back into, I guess, a bit more about your background and um, so on and so forth shortly. But yeah. Mamagen, what's, 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 the, what's the business about? Mamagen is a startup company and it's hard to put us in one bucket. I suppose if you look at our flagship program in breast cancer, we would probably be closest to a diagnostic company. But Mm -hmm. truthfully, the plans for this are going to be so much more expansive than just a traditional diagnostic company. But right now, what we're doing is creating a powerhouse women's health company. And so we're starting with breast cancer. And, you know, there are a lot of players in this space. What we're doing is a little bit different. We're focusing on early detection of the disease for Mm -hmm. two very distinct groups of underserved women. But in total, it's about 100 million women in the United States. The first group is for women under 40. Um, and you know, this is a group where breast cancer is on the rise. Um, when women under 40 get it, it's normally more aggressive and they're more likely to recur. So it's kind of odd to think about, okay, this is definitely an at-risk group of women, but there's no good way to screen these women. Um, and you know, mammograms were never designed for this group of women and, and for two very good reasons. I mean, one women under 40 have, um, very dense breasts, which basically just means we have lumpy boobs and it's hard to see what's going on in there on a mammogram. Um, and two, typically as compared to the rest of the population, we have a lower prevalence. So those two things make mammograms really no better than a coin toss. They're only right about 47% of the time. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, that's a lot of cost and a lot of mental anguish that goes into sending these women through a pathway that was never designed for them. So we're creating a simple um, blood draw or saliva-based test that a woman under 40 can take when she finds a lump or she's at her um, yearly OB appointment and tells her whether or not she has breast cancer in a few days and with an extremely high sensitivity. Um, unlike anything- How long does it there. normally take with, with traditional testing? Well, um, so there's, not, there's no other test in this space right now, not for this early detection piece. Um, but the, if you go down the normal pathway, and I was one of these patients, it's really one of the big reasons I took this job as CEO. Mm. I felt a lump, went to my OBGYN, 
went for a mammogram, inconclusive, went for an ultrasound, inconclusive, went for a breast biopsy, thankfully negative. But that entire process took about eight weeks. So for eight weeks, I was wondering what happens? What does our life look like if I'm not here, if I have to battle breast cancer? And that's a, that's one, think about all those tests, all those interventions I just mentioned. That's yeah. expensive. It's scary. It, it's time consuming. So this test is meant to, from the very beginning, tell women yes or no. Um, and it's meant to do it in just a few days. And that way she can sit down with her OBGYN and they can talk and, and her breast surgeon and her oncologist, and they can talk about real options. Um, and of course they will verify with some of the traditional um, diagnostics, but you know, that she's still gonna go for a breast biopsy, but at least they know they're looking for something definitive and they can do it relatively quickly. And it's all about giving the gift of time, James, because for women under 40, there's a lot of things that go into being diagnosed with breast cancer, not just the disease. Um, you have to think about things like, okay, have I started my family? Am I done with my family? Do I need to talk to a reproductive endocrinologist about freezing my eggs? So there are all of these dynamics that are swirling around this poor young woman whose mm. life just changed forever. Um, so if we can give her the gift of time, we can preserve her quality of life. Her, um, her, we can hopefully make the journey a bit, even if it's just a bit easier for her, that's enormous impact. You know, and then the other population is women 55 and over. And it's a similar type of story. These women are really only um, eligible for mammogram every other year. And, you know, we all know cancer isn't going to wait for your mammogram year to hit, right? Mm -hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hit when it hits. And so, um, you know, and there's a really good reason for that, too, because women 55 and older often get false positives, on mammograms. And so in an attempt to reduce healthcare spending without increasing risk significantly, they, you know, they say, okay, well, let's just look every other year. Well, the, the test for these women is basically a rule out test. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's okay. You see something on mammogram, take our test. We'll tell you whether or not you have to go through the biopsy process. Wow. So those are the two populations of women we're serving traditionally underserved right now and totaling hundred million women. That's a huge market. Massive market. And, um, you know, I guess what I like about it is, it's, I think it's that speed. As you say, look, you know, time is our biggest and most valuable resource that anyone will ever have. That's right. um, and I think that, yes, to have that peace of mind where you can rule something out so quick. I know at the moment, you know, with COVID testing, um, you know, last year, the, the rapid testing and fast yeah. testing was, wasn't in. Whereas now, if people are looking to travel or they're looking to meet right. up with, um, you know, folks, you can do a test to, to rule it out and just be... Great. Whereas I don't know about you, but I've had done several stints in quarantine and isolation last year and it's, yeah. it's no fun. Um, it's fun. So, you know, me, uh, you know, times that by about a million with the stress and aggravation about thinking whether right. you've got breast cancer or not, right. what you guys are looking to achieve is, yeah, I guess just quite inspirational. As I said, during my in uh, introduction, I guess. I'm sorry. What was that? I said it's just quite inspirational oh, and you know almost just goes hand in hand with um my introduction to yourself about you know inspirational leaders in, in the world of healthcare so um look I, I love the sound of, of what you're doing um but look let's backtrack here because you guys yeah. have been going it's just five months now and and you and I were talking off air about startup hustle startup mentality yes. um and the fact that you know we're working from wake up to <laughs> get to go into bed um, look, how how did this come about um you know you mentioned a second ago about your own personal experiences but you know could you expand on that for for, for myself and, and for our audience 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this came about, it was somewhat out of the blue um, that Mamagen and the ecosystem it's part of called Ivy Bio Holdings, which mm -hmm. has um, two other companies. Think of it like an, a bio innovation studio. Mm -hmm. um, we spin out companies that meet unmet clinical needs um, and some we bring all the way to market and some we just developed intellectual property. Mm -hmm. um, but they came to me late last year. I was not thinking I was ever going to take anything else on. I was in the midst of building um, an another startup that I had founded in digital health. Mm -hmm. And there was something very special about this science and something extremely special about the mission. Um, and as I met the founders of both the science platform as well as Ivy Bio Holdings, um, it felt right. It was one of those moments where your gut is telling you, Liz, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it. If you watch somebody else take this on, you're going to wish you had done it so you could have done it differently. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't dampen that voice. Um, and, you know, in, in my career, I really make my decisions based on two things. One is there's something novel about this and two, does it feel right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and this checked both those boxes. I mean, the way we find our biomarkers is so hyper-efficient um, that it allows us a ton of flexibility in how we bring these products to market. And that's important because that flexibility allows me to accommodate our patients in ways that traditional diagnostic companies cannot do. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll put that into in a perspective for you. So the average diagnostic company takes about seven years and $18 million to get to the point that Mamagen is at now in less than a year and on less than a million dollars. And so we, and to how, put that- how, how have you done that? Just, I'm just, that is just, the difference there is just quite staggering. Um, it, so I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking, how on earth have you managed to, 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 it, to achieve it, this? So what's, all, what's been the secret sauce here? That, you know, that's what everyone will want yeah. to know. It, well, I'm not sure there's one thing that's secret sauce. A lot of it is driven by our technology platform. Um, that allows us to very hyper-efficiently um, find biomarker sets. So we, we mine publicly available databases, and we do this in conjunction with Liquid Biosciences, which are, is our exclusive technology partner. Mm -hmm. um, and that allows us to, I'll give you a, a reference. So um, Mamagen's biomarkers were found and analytically validated in 22 days. Wow. That's staggering. So the second we incorporate a company in IVBH, we're already seven years ahead of the curve. Um, and we're and we're raising money with data, which is not the way diagnostic companies usually raise money. They raise money with an idea, maybe the beginnings of a technology, um, but certainly not a defined biomarker set and analytical validation um, and a very good idea on how to scale to clinical settings. And so we're way ahead of the game. And and that that really that was very interesting to me when I was making the decision. And then secondary to that is I the founder of Ivy Bio Holdings, Marty Kaiser, um, you know, I said to him on one of our calls, I'm not, I cannot take this on. Um, one, if it's only going to be a breast cancer company, it needs to be a women's health powerhouse. And mm -hmm. two, if I cannot make the, a sense of community as important as a science. Um, and he was completely in line with both of those. And so it was just, I couldn't say no, I could not walk away from this one. Wow. And look, what I'm finding interesting here, Liz, is that I guess you, you know, you introduce yourself as a scientist, mm -hmm. um, but just talking through, you know, what you've managed to set up and I guess 
the deals that you've put together with um, Liquid Biosciences and, and negotiating with Marty. Sounds like you're, you're very commercial-minded as, as well um, it, in yeah. terms of putting the business elements together. Um, so look, before this, I mean, where, where has that side of things come from? What, what was your background before the whole Mamajan gig? Um, mm -hmm. You know, did you, did you want to go down this healthcare route or, you know, was it thrust upon you? Was, you know, how did that come about? Um, well, honestly, all I knew growing up, I always wanted to be a pediatric oncologist. So I knew I always wanted to be in science. Yeah. Um, and that's always what interested me most academically. It's what all my degrees are in. Um, but when I started as a medicinal chemist right out of undergrad uh, with Novartis Pharmaceuticals, which is a wonderful place uh, to kind of cut your scientific teeth. Um, you know, I realized, and I was working on early discovery oncology and breast cancer was one of the products, um, projects yeah. I worked on. I realized that I was one tiny little piece of such an enormously oppressive problem that I probably wasn't going to have a whole lot of meaningful impact for anybody. Mm -hmm. And that bothered me um, because for as hard as I was working and as much as I wanted to make a difference, I probably wasn't going to realistically. And so I pivoted a bit and I said, okay, well, you know, if I can't do it here, what else can I do that uses my science that gives me a closer channel to patients and being able to watch the impact of what I'm doing. And I ended up in diagnostics um, on the commercial side. And believe me, it took me a really long time to switch my brain from science to commercial. And you know, 20 years ago, if somebody had ever told me that this is where I'd be now, I would have laughed them out of the room. There was no mm -hmm. way. Um, but I couldn't be more pleased with how my with how my career has developed because it's everything I really always wanted. I use my science every single day. I mean, granted, it's a little rusty, <laughs> but I but I use it every single day. Um, I love thinking outside of the box to solve critical problems, um, which being in startup lets you do 20 times a day <laughs> because everything is all is either a huge win or a huge fail. There's very few things that are in between in the beginning. Not it's not easy. So you have not to figure easy. out how to come up with solutions that, you know, most people may not think of. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, you know, my commercial mind is still a, a project. It, it's a work in progress. It's not, I'm by no means, you know, fully baked or there or perfect in that regard. Um, but, you know, every failure and every win gets me a little bit closer to having a more comprehensive view on, on how to put things together. Amazing. But you, you, you mentioned something there and I'm, it's got me thinking because so many others I have on the show have said a similar thing. And that is that, there's one thing that is, you know, making a contribution, working hard as everyone in clinical research tends to do anyway, you know, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. over the last year, some of the hours I've heard of, of people doing it has just oh, been yeah. insane. It's almost as if they, they may as well have started up their own startup yeah, and working right. from dusk till dawn because right. they've been putting in that many hours. Um, yeah. But those that have gone on like yourself to, you know, end up, you know, starting businesses, becoming a CEO have had one thing in common and that has been that, that drive to not just contribute, but to, to say, look, I'm, I'm doing this at the moment, but I could take it to a whole nother le level and they've managed to level up. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to know, I guess, what it is perhaps that you or what you think it is about your own mindset that has allowed you to go from what I would consider, a, you know, a good stable career working with someone like Novartis mm -hmm. to then say, actually, you know what, I, I can do more. And that's normally something personal and, and I, I guess mindset. So 
Talk to us about that. Um, I think there are a couple things. Um, you know, I've had a lot of, I've been really lucky. I've had a lot of great mentors along the way, both scientific, professional. Um, and one of the things that somebody told me early on that has stuck with me for pretty much forever was make sure you're never the smartest person in the room. Because if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm-hmm. And, and that really resonated with me. And, and I was still a scientist when somebody told me that, but I've used that it's so many times in commercial, when I'm building teams, when I'm part of a team, when I'm bringing in partners. And that that mindset, I think, is part of it because people who are comfortable with contributing but not having, not trying to execute on a bigger vision, sometimes mm-hmm. they like being the smartest person in the room. Um, and that's not, and that's a generalization, but that's, that's kind of my foundation is I don't like ever being the smartest person in the room because if I am, I'm never going to get to these lofty visions and goals. Mm-hmm. And then- you know, on top of that, uh, I mean, you have to want it. It has to keep you up at night. If something isn't keeping you up at night, then you probably don't have enough passion to go after it. Um, and then you have, you can't be afraid to have no safety net. Um, and that's, that's one thing that, a a, um, a really dear mentor of mine told me, uh, maybe five years ago or so, if you have a safety net, you're never going to give it a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and believe me, that's scary when you have a family to support, um, or, you know, financial obligations or, and, and it's, it's odd, you know, my husband always says, I don't get it, man, you're so risk averse in life, but when it comes to business, you'll just pull the ripcord. <laughs> and, and a part of it is because I know if I, if I have a safety net, I can't give 200%. I might only give hundred and you have to give 200 to get, to get across the finish line. Um, and I know that I'm going to surround myself with people way smarter and way better at this than I am. And I believe you have to believe in yourself too. You have to believe you're not going to ultimately fail. Um, and that's- definitely. And I th- you and I were talking about this just before we jumped on, weren't we? The, it's the fact yeah. that, you know, sometimes it's both a blessing and a curse that you're so yeah. driven in, in this way. Because, you know, yeah. I, I explained to you that, you know, previously we were recruiting some of the top engineering professionals around the world if you needed you know pretty much superman to go to outer mongolia for you to build a bridge or a wastewater treatment plant you came to me but covid hit we couldn't do anything and we had to very quickly reinvent ourselves and because we've been going sort of uh five years it almost feels like we're a startup again having done life sciences now for coming up to two years but um Mm. it's it does keep me up. Sometimes it's yeah. a little bit uncomfortable, but yeah. I think you and I both agreed that we wouldn't have it any other way. And, you know, even if we were to go and get a nine to five, it would be a nice holiday for a week, yeah. but, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't keep, wouldn't keep us going. Mm-mm. No, no, definitely not. Um, and that's, you know, th- and that's not for everybody and that's okay. Right. The mm. world doesn't, doesn't need a whole bunch of um, like-minded entrepreneurs, the world needs a little bit of everybody. Um, mm. but, but there is something different about, about the DNA of, of a person who's willing to kind of risk it all and go all in on something they believe makes a difference. And I sure. think, you know, if you don't have that it's keeping me up at night, then you probably don't have the will to do it. Mm. Well, look, I won't bore you with any of uh, my stories of, um, yeah, trials and tri- tribulations over <laughs> the journey of Huxley Morton. Uh, but look, for, for you guys, How's it, how's it going? You know, what, what challenges have you faced um, along the way, whether it's been, you know, 
you know, personal mental health, whether it's mm-hmm. been ridiculous mm-hmm. hours, whether it's been financially, what's, what has been, you know, how, how are things going and what have been the biggest challenges that you have had to overcome? Wow. You know, I think for me, there's been both advantages and disadvantages during, um, during this period of COVID. And uh, I guess I'll start with the good things first, if that's okay. Um, you know, our, our science is largely based on messenger RNA biology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, before COVID, nobody had really heard of messenger RNA, unless you're a scientist. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody in the world knows what mRNA is because it's the basis of two of our vaccines, right? Um, So awareness is always a really good thing. So the average person now can recognize the term mRNA and they kind of have some idea what it may or may not do. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It brings a level of awareness and familiarity to the basis of our technology. That's a win. Um, You know, I, I found that in the beginning, doing everything through Zoom was really uncomfortable for me because I'm entirely a relationship-based seller, fundraiser, um, everything. I love sitting across the table, somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I I love getting to know them as a person before I have an ask of them. Mm. That's hard when you're you're doing business through Zoom. Um, So that was one of my big challenges. But in the same, on the other side of the coin, it didn't take me a week to get to three different people in different parts of the United States. I could do it all in one day. So it, you know, that, that allowed me, I, I could close capital with somebody in San Francisco, Chicago, and Florida in four hours rather than a week of traveling in between everybody. So that that was a that was an unexpected win, I suppose. Um, mm. because in the beginning I was really nervous. One about fundraising during a pandemic, <laughs> right? That's That's never an easy thing. I mean, how do you ask people to give you money when nobody knows what's happening in the world, right? So that's, but but once I kind of adapted to this new Zoom interaction, um, there were a lot of advantages to that. Um, And then personally, I mean, I got to see my kids every day. I mean, this is- I was just about to say, I mean, for me, that's been one of the massive perks. Massive perks. You mentioned, you know, going to San Francisco, Chicago and wherever else. But you could probably have done all that, closed the deals, and then still had lunch with the kids or pick them up from school or whatever it is that you're doing with them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's this is the first time since I became a mom almost eight years ago that I've seen my kids every day. Wow. And I don't know if that's sad or or good, but (laughs) but I'm I say it in a good way. If there is if there is a a huge perk for any of this, and I hate using that word in the same sentence as what we've all been through, but it for me it was being able to see my family every day i agree I'm, I'm i'm exactly the same i used to spend sort of all day in the city i was i was there from kind of either 6 30 or 7 30 a.m in the morning to, to do my job and that would have been before my son woke up i probably would have got home maybe just as he was going to bed right um and i just yeah i, I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to do it any other way now no um, i agree as much as I'm also, yeah, a relationship type of person, I used to sell, um, you know, printing solutions and IT solutions around London. And I never did any of it without actually meeting with someone. Someone could have told oh, me that I, I want to buy your product. I'd be like, great, look, you need to meet with me. It was kind of yeah. a conditional thing. Like that's, that's how right. business was. Whereas now everything is, is done through Zoom and through the phone. It's, it's just you right. know, absolutely crazy. Um, so, look, you know, in, in, in that sense, it sounds like you've adapted well 
um you know you're getting on with it you're you know just seeing the obstacles as you know actually opportunities um you know are you planning to to go back to the office what's the setup for you guys at the moment are you hybrid what's what's the plans on that front yeah you know for for now we will remain virtual um mm -hmm. and and that is i think it's a huge perk one it allows us to um recruit talent from all over the world if we mm -hmm. want um, and two, for a startup with, you know, modest budgets, it, it, it takes a huge amount of overhead out of our runway. Um, and I want the money that we've raised to go to development and building out the strongest team possible to position us for the most successful commercialization debut. And if mm. we pay for space, that's just, that's just a spend that isn't necessary. So for the foreseeable future, we absolutely will be virtual. Amazing. Well, it sounds like, yeah, again, like, like us, you're adapting and just kind of taking it um, as it as it comes and you, yeah, you faced a few challenges, but just dealt with them you know, yeah. fairly simply, really. Has, yeah, has that taught you anything about yourself? Because um, it almost seems you're a little bit like me, a, a relationship person quite likes the interaction yeah. uh, in a room with someone. Um, I know for me, I've, I've probably learned quite a bit about myself working completely remote and managing a team remotely what has there been anything that you've learned about yourself that perhaps you you weren't aware of before <laughs> hmm yeah um it, in the beginning it, it i really realized how important physical human interaction is to me in business mm -hmm. which i i always knew i was a relationship-based person but i didn't realize how important it was um and that really taught me that i'm pretty good at pivoting i'm pretty good at and I never would have said that was a strength for me before, but um, pivoting to new directions, pivoting to new narratives, pivoting to new ways to do business, um, it wasn't as painful for me as I thought it was going to be when mm -hmm. I first realized that this was our new normal. I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I was really scared about that. Um, well, yes, and- You probably saw your strength as that, that relationship building. Yes, I was totally right. the same. I was like, oh my God, you're taking away one of my best assets as yes. you know, a business person, right. as a salesperson, as a recruiter, that, right. that's gone. How, how are you going to adapt to that? That's totally, probably, you know, one of the biggest things for you by the sound of things. Yeah, that, I mean, that is, and you know, I think when the one thing that everybody says when they interact with me is I can hear your passion, I can feel your passion. And I was afraid that I would lose that through Zoom. Um, and, and I haven't, I think I've just found different ways to get across to people, whether it's patients or partners or investors that this is the most important thing that we could be doing and working on right now. Um, and either you're on the train or you're off the train. Um, but if you're on it, you know, here's the things I can promise you. And, and that, you know, being able to express that passion mm. through a computer screen was a bit of an adjustment, but, um, but I think I've, I've found that I, I can pivot a bit more nimbly than I ever thought I was capable of before. Sounds good. I'm just sitting here thinking you talk like the way you're like expressing like this at the screen reminds <laughs> me of myself when I'm talking to people as, as well, because I'm, you know, I'm also passionate about what we do, how we recruit, why we're a little bit different or unique. Right. Um, and I think one of the things that I'm now conscious of is how loud I end up talking to the computer screen that, that actually the person's probably just turned down their volume at the other end. Now, do you do the same? I 
totally do the same. <laughs> and, and you know what? I figured it out when, because outside of my office is kind of our, our mud room and, and our laundry room. And my husband's mm. like, I can hear you all the way into our kitchen, which is like, uh, like a solid 25 feet away from my office. My, and he's my like, my partner knows about it. it. Yeah. All the time. She's like, I can't be in the room with you when you're either on the phone or on a Zoom call uh, because you're just too loud. I don't know how you ever worked in an office. And I'm like, no, nor do I actually now thinking. I that. know. I know. It's so funny. It's like, remember when everybody got cell phones for the first time and people are screaming into their cell phones? Mm. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's some, it Zoom. sums you up and it, it sums me up too on, on, yeah. on Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> Interesting. Totally. Well, look, um, it's yeah, great to hear how you know what you've learned about yourself, and that's probably one of the things that you maybe hadn't picked up on either. But certainly, I know that I get told it by my partner, and clearly, you do actually. By, I by do yours. too. <laughs> well, look, what's what's the plans um, for you guys? You're five five months in. It sounds like business is is, is going well despite the, the, the challenges. What's what's next in store for you know almost the umbrella group for for Mamagen specifically? Um, are you you know you're looking to build to scale to hire? um are you going to be involved in trials give us paint that picture yeah sure i'll give you the ten thousand foot view so yeah. we are um about to announce a very um important lab partnership and they, this lab partner um, is going to be bringing our flagship breast cancer program through clinical validation and scaling and actually going to be a commercial partner as well so that is coming stay tuned um, and yeah, of course, um, data generation is a huge part of this, the, the place we're at as a company. So we know that our markers work. We know that we have early data to suggest um, it's potentially paradigm shifting. And now we have to prove that at larger scales um, with different across a broader set of patients. And so that's what there's that's where we are. And then, you know, there's a big piece of it that people could, I think don't think about is turning it into an actual test, right? Turning it into an actual test that I can that a doctor can send to somebody or that maybe someday we can send directly to patients in a direct to consumer fashion. So, mm. you know, we're, we're in that kind of putting all the pieces together phase and it's a really exciting phase. And part of the reason that we can remain virtual um, is because I'm not doing this a traditional way. We're not building a $50 million CLIA lab and hiring all of these people to run it. And I mean, that's just, it takes a tremendous amount of time and resources. And so this model that I'm building is really all about very powerful and strategic partnerships. And, you know, so that's one piece of it. And the other piece that I'm spending um, just as much time on is building out our, our community. And that's through partnerships with other wonderful companies that are offering all different types of solutions to breast cancer patients and survivors. And I'm spending a lot of time talking with patients in different parts of their journey from literally diagnosed the day before I'm talking to them to years past their, their tamoxifen years. And so that's really important. And it's something that not a lot of CEOs or founders do. And I, and that's always baffled me because how can I serve this patient population if I don't know them, if I don't take the time to talk to them? Mm. Um, how can I find quote unquote products? Cause I don't mean tests, but other things that I could give to them that are helpful if I don't understand where the gaps in care are. Um, and so that's what the sense of community at Mamagen is all about. It's about creating partners that help us fill some of those gaps. Some might be little, some might be, hey, tell me what questions I ask a breast surgeon the first time I meet with them. Mm -hmm. um, and some might be bigger, like, hey, where can I go um, for to find somebody to help bring me food on my chemo days? 
So there's a ton of different things we're working on, but that sense of community is just as important to me as the actual scientific work and tests we're building. Wow. So what's the, what's the you know, if, if we look sort of down the line, like right down the line, what mm-hmm. does success look like for, for yourself and, and, and Mama Jen then? Yeah. Be interested um, to kind of, yeah, just get your, the, the vision. What, what's, the, what's that, that vision? I'm trying to just tap right into your mind here. Yeah. So success for me is two pronged, right? Because I'm always there. I'm always thinking about two different um, sets of people that it is my job to serve. Mm. One are my shareholders and one are my patients. And a lot of people think that those two need to be separate. Um, And I really don't. I think that purpose and profit don't have to be mutually exclusive. And so when I'm in my vision, if I had um, my, my dream would be that Mamagen becomes a household name, just like Pap smear is a household name, right? Mamagen services become, hey, I'm 25 and I felt a lump. Oh, let me let me get in on the horn with with Mamagen. Um, that's my dream for what we're building here. And then for shareholders, obviously, my dream is to create massive value um, in this company so that the investment they made not only is a financial win for them, but a really feel good win at the same time because I think. You know, a lot of people who put money in don't necessarily need more money out of it. Um, money's always great, but it's even better when you're actually making a meaningful impact on the world around you. I think that, yeah, anyone who invests in something like this also wants wants to see that win for a good cause. Yeah. You know, you, know, you can invest in such a, a ton of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, you know, investing in startups is often more risky than, than and, mm-hmm. you know, other things. Um, so there's got to, you know, I, I think you're, you're spot on there. And look, what would, what would it mean to you if, yeah, say five, five years time, you know, Mamajin is a household name and people are, they, you know, they've felt a lump, they're like, you know, they are picking up the, the horn and, and that's exactly what they're saying. What would that mean to you personally? Uh, it would mean that I am one step closer and a huge step um, to accomplishing my goal from the time I was a little girl. And that's, and that's finding a way to help people in a, in a meaningful fashion. Um, and that's, that's why I wanted to be a doctor originally. And it's what, it's what drives me. And sometimes it sounds a little bit cheesy because lots of people say they want to help people. Right. And I believe that they do. Mm. Um, but for me doing it in a way that I, that's measurable and meaningful, um, and actually changes a paradigm that's been important to me. So if, if in five years Mamagen is a household name, then I'm one step closer to doing that. Well, that would be incredible. I mean, I'll, I'll certainly be keeping in contact. It sounds like, yeah, I mean, there might be some things that we can help out with on, on the recruitment side of things anyway, but it will be interesting to see just how that goes. Um, and look, you know, even just as an outsider, you always want to see people achieve when, they, when they've got a good cause, they're passionate about what they do. You want, you want to see them win. Right, um, of course. So, um, yeah. well, I will be tuning into that, but look, we've, we've reached a part of the show and, and a new element for us. Uh, okay. You've already given us some absolute gems of, of information and insights. Um, okay. look, a quick fire round for you, Liz. All right. Um, okay. To, to get under the skin and to find out a little bit more about, yeah, I guess, advice for our audience. So look, I'll kick us off with, with question number one. Uh, and okay. that is, what is the number one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Perhaps if you were to do all of this again. Mm. Um, find your voice sooner find your voice sooner what do you mean by that Um, I mean don't be afraid to bring up ideas or question what other people consider to be normal and standard I like that I like that and you're spot on I think so many people 
again, are fearful of not being the most intelligent person in the room. Mm -hmm. but they do, they, they don't speak up. So I think that that's, that mirrors what you were saying earlier about not being um, the smartest in the room and actually embracing it, you know, being out of your comfort zone and, and, and asking out like yeah. that. Perfect. Number two, what is the number one book or resource or website or blog um, that you'd perhaps recommend for our audience? I would recommend reading the book Inner Size. Um, it's by, and I'm going to mess up his last name. I never say it correctly, but it's by um, John Asaraf, A-S-S-A-R-A-F, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And it is a really powerful book. It doesn't matter what what industry you're in. It, you, you could be a, a stay-at-home parent and you don't even have to be in industry, but it's about accessing the power of your brain um, in ways that you never thought were possible um, and how you kind of squelch the negative and tap into the positive pieces of what you bring to the world. And I just found that book to be completely life-changing. Like that. I like anything. I mean, I'm big on anything mindset and positivity. So yeah. uh, that will be added to my reading list also. I'm picking up a lot. Of, <laughs> see, I'm, I'm getting this you know, a little bit of a hack for me to get some new reading tip material myself. <laughs> um, next question. Uh, look, and clearly it's going to be relevant for yourself over the next 12 to 18 months. But look, what are the top three qualities that you value most, uh, mm. I guess, as a leader and when you're when you're building teams? Yeah, that's easy. Transparency, complete transparency, um, because if that doesn't exist, then something's going to go wrong. And the mm -hmm. sooner I know about something, whether it be good or bad, the better we can prepare for it. Um, the, the second would be outside of the box thinking. Um, you know, anybody can do things the way they've always been done. I'm interested in finding people who can look at a problem or maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's just a situation and find a better way to do it. And it doesn't scare me if it's if it's a way that nobody has ever done before. So I like that. Mm -hmm. And then the third would be loyalty, um, loyalty to the company, loyalty to our patients, um, loyalty to the teams we're building. Um, those three things are important. I like to try to find people who aren't always on the market. I like that. And I, I think what I like is probably the outside of the box thinking. It's quite congruent with the fact that of your first answer of, of find your voice. So you clearly embrace that you encourage that you know if, if yeah, someone has an idea get it out there get it in that room yep absolutely Fantastic. well look, we've, we've talked a lot about um sort of work building teams and and uh, i guess the vision um and i you know you and i have spoken off air about how many hours of work we're putting in at the moment <laughs> but look what do you do to actually try to switch off at least uh outside of work what, what are the outside interests um honestly my favorite thing to do is be a hockey mom I love watching my son play hockey um, and my daughter do gymnastics um, and both of them are in pretty competitive fields right now at young ages, which, you know, has its ups and downs, but it's teaching them a lot about being part of a team, mm -hmm. about making a commitment and sticking with it, about being accountable. And I, I love watching them figure that out in really fun ways that they love. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of any competitive sports. I think it's great mm -hmm. for, for kids to get into. Um, yeah, I guess just hearing that the phrase hockey mom, I'm just thinking what my partner's going to be like when, when our son Axel starts playing anything. Um, and thinking back to our conversation about how passionate you get on Zoom, what are you like on the sidelines? Oh, I can't lie, I'm loud. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I absolutely I'm loud. Knew it. But I'll tell you, I'm not one of those parents who thinks her kid's going to go to the NFL and you know is screaming and unsupportive. I'm just. I'm, I'm as loud for the other kids on the team as I am for my son, um, but all in positive ways. 
Good to hear it. Well, sorry to out you on that, but I, I knew that would be the case as yeah, soon as you my, said that. I'm loud. My, my son goes, Mom, I can hear you through my helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, and, and to wrap up the show, um, you know, final question. What is your number one golden rule for life, for business, for hockey, uh, for whatever it is? Um, it is treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, and I think as soon as, and don't take shortcuts and they, those two kind of go together. Mm -hmm. Um, because as soon, as soon as you compromise what you know to be true, or you let a piece of yourself become something you don't like, that's what you're going to get back, um, from the universe. And I don't, I'm a big, if you haven't read the secret, read that book too. It's another great one. That's, that's really, that's really it. Um, you know, you get that one. That's, that's one that I have, have done. I'm, I'm big. Yeah. I mean, whatever you put out in the world, that's likely what you're going to get back. So be a good person, do your best, try hard, be tolerant. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to make mistakes, but you know, treat others the way you want to be treated, which I think is actually the golden rule, right? <laughs> I think so. Actually, when you, when you look at it that way, there's, that covers every other thing that you would, you would give advice on it. Doesn't it really? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and don't be afraid to stick up for yourself because there are going to be times when, um, when things happen that you never thought would you'd be a part of and don't be afraid to stick up for yourself and that kind of goes back to finding your voice and doing what you know is right even if it's really scary to be the only one doing it fantastic well liz it's great to have heard your words of wisdom the story about yeah your personal and professional background uh, and just an all-round pleasure having you on the show to to talk us through that um so look for any of our audience whether it's investors um you know potential patients that have more questions about this how they could perhaps get involved with you guys what's the best way um, to reach out to yourself so there there's two ways um there is a general um mailbox on our website which is mamagen.bio and then my email is very simple it's liz at mamagen.bio and i do my absolute best to get back to every single inquiry whether it comes in from the website um, or directly to me. And I will continue to do that because I mean, I, like I said, our community is what's going to make or break us. And so I spend a lot of time making sure um, I'm serving them appropriately. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Liz, thanks again for coming on, on the show. Uh, I'll let you get off to enjoy the rest of your day. Oh, well, thank you. This was so much fun, James. I look forward to next time. We'll have to do a part two. Perhaps. Yeah, that, that'll be good. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Right.